Hey, and just a quick reminder that the audio-only versions of these Vital MX interviews are available on the Vital MX podcast page. Search for it anywhere you get your pods and let your friends know about it. All right, guys, it's Dark Side again from Vital MX. I'm back with another industry podcast. This time I've got Mr. Kevin Bailey from RWB Race Winning Brands. What's up, uh, Kevin? How you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to talk to you. So you're the marketing manager for Race Winning Brands, which is, I don't know if the term conglomerate is correct, but you own a bunch of companies uh, that are involved in multiple different facets of uh, automotive racing. Yeah, yeah, we are a group. Uh, we have a group of companies. We're in the power sports and automotive sectors, um, pretty much all in uh, performance part manufacturing. Um, just about any engine component there is, um, and a couple things outside of the engine as well. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a group of a uh, group of individual um, performance companies. A lot of a lot of legacy companies too that have been around for a long time in the, in the different areas of motorsports. Yeah, for the moto side, which most of our listeners are going to be obviously interested in, there's Wiseco, Prox. Is Prox how you actually say? It? I've had this arg- or discussion with most multiple people. Some say Pro X, say Prox. Yeah, so that's that's kind of a funny one. Um, in the way we approach it um, domestically, it, it is Pro X because um, the name originally uh, kind of uh, got dwindled down from Pro Cross from a long time ago. So, um, it is still separate. It's pro X, but the confusion does come because, uh, you know, it's headquartered in the Netherlands and Europe and they say, they say prox. Okay. So So we kind of just, kind of just agreed to separate it. And, you know, (laughs) when we're referencing it domestically, we say pro X and then in Europe it's prox. (laughs) Well, that's good to know because they are actually a sponsor of the podcast. I do the Moto X pod show, but you know, Michael Lindsay and my, my boss has said, well, I think it's, it's prox and that's how they say it. So we've been saying it prox. Then people are emailing me go oh, no it's pro x like man i'm so confused i don't even know so i'm gonna change it then I'm, from now on it's pro x <laughs> yeah no it's it's all good it's uh it's been one of the age-old debates for that brand yeah. so um i mean either one you know you find either way but uh, i always reference it pro x so okay perfect and then of course recluse is part of the the group uh which i just got some recluse clutch plates in from you guys for the husky so i'm really looking forward to putting those in uh, but before we really get going too much into what you do, I'd like to get a little bit of your background. Did you grow up in the moto industry or in motocross riding? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I've been riding since I was, uh, you know, four years old. Kind of the uh, kind of one of the same same stories as a lot of racers out there. Um, I grew up a little more on the off road side, though. Um, I'm I was born and raised in SoCal here. Um, and I grew up doing a lot of the off-road stuff. So, um, district 37 stuff, you know, high des that whole thing. So, uh, I, I still do, I still do quite a bit of that. Um, I race with desert MC, um, part of the, I'm part of the desert MC club at, with district 37. So I help put on some races, um, participate in races when I can, of course. Um, so yeah, I've definitely grew up around it. Um, and, uh, this is, well, I guess technically I've been with RWB for, um, put going on just years now this month um but before this i also uh spent some time at pro circuit as well so um been in the industry for uh close to nine years now yeah i would like i said i was doing a little bit of research on you and i saw the pro circuit and um you were accounts payable there and i want to get into that also but i guess you went to business school and was that with the goal of getting into the moto industry or at the time was it just a good career business to get into business in general 
Yeah, you know, at the time, I, I, I didn't have like a hard set goal of getting into the moto industry. No. Um, <clears throat> while I was going to school, I, I did get the job at Pro Circuit. It just kind of happened to it kind of happened on its own. I didn't, um, um, you know, didn't didn't really lean on anybody for it. I just I saw them post an opening, uh, you know, an office position and applied and ended up getting the call. And it worked out because uh, when I initially got hired, they needed someone that was a uh, part time essentially. And I was, I was going to school full-time then. So that, that worked okay. Um, but yeah, I, I went, I went to uh, Cal State San Bernardino and I uh, wanted to keep, I always liked the business side of things, but I wanted to keep it somewhat general to keep my options open. Sure. Um, you know, cause you never know, never know what, what might come along. So, um, but it, it worked out, it worked out that, you know, once I graduated, um, or right around the time I was graduating, this uh, the op- this opportunity, which initially started out as a, a content marketing coordinator for Power Sports, um, as RWB was just kind of starting to grow and get their feet wet. We didn't have recluse then either, so um, they needed kind of a Power Sports dedicated person, um, and it just kind of worked out that that was they were looking for that position as I was finishing school. So. Did that, the pro circuit job and the RWB, did that sort of just feel like a dream come true almost to, to be able to work within an industry that you were passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very grateful to be able to, uh, to be able to, you know, deal with this stuff every day, stuff that you're passionate about. I, <clears throat> I couldn't imagine, you know, doing that, even doing the same thing, but for something that, something that you don't, you know, have, uh, one care either way for would uh you know i i couldn't imagine doing something like that which you know i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people so i'm definitely grateful i don't i don't take it for granted for sure i know every time i'm you know out at a race or an event or you know doing social media or anything in between um it's uh it's awesome to be able to you know relate and something that i've been doing my whole life you know yeah what are your day-to-day roles at race winning brands Oh man, um, I have quite a, I definitely have quite a few hats on the hat rack that I wear. Um, so <clears throat> overall kind of, uh, everything overarching marketing. So, um, I mean, right now we have a, a big focus on, um, on some new websites with, uh, uh, e-commerce growth. Um, so there's been a lot of work on the content side, um, yeah, and even data side for our new websites that are coming. Um, but everything from uh, at handling advertising, um, advertising budgets between digital and print, um, social media, um, sponsorships. I handle the sponsorships on the power sports side of things for um, for a handful of our brands along alongside some of the recluse team as well. Um, and, you know, all the all the small stuff in between those major categories, too. It's um, it's actually, you know, it's, it's it does, it can stack up to be, uh, to quite a bit at some times, but it's also nice to have, uh, some variation throughout the day. You know, I'm never, never just doing the same thing every day. That's for sure. Yeah, that's great. You definitely don't want to just get stuck in a rut. Cause that'll, that'll make a day really, really long. Um, Absolutely. how much focus from RWB does the moto side get compared to say the automotive side? Uh, I mean, I know like there's K1 technologies, JE pistons, diamond pistons, multiple companies, is is there like a breakdown of one's more important than the other, or and, and, and do you oversee all of it? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm involved. <clears throat> I wouldn't say that I completely oversee all of it, but I am I am involved on marketing with all of our brands. Um, so <clears throat> I wouldn't say that that automotive is more important than power sports or vice versa. We do have quite a few more uh, automotive companies in our portfolio. 
But uh, that's definitely not to say that it's more important because, um, you know, we we refer to some of our brands as our legacy brands, uh, which is somebody like Wiseco, you know, the big guys that our group initially started with um, that are have such a long history in the, you know, in their respective areas of motorsports. And, you know, Wiseco is deeply rooted as a power sports company and and is still to this day for sure. So um, it does kind of depend on the brand, I would say, you know, um, you know, we stick, stick to the roots and, and what Wiseco is known for. If you use Wiseco as, as an example, um, started out as a power sports performance company with uh, two stroke performance engines between Marine and, you know, go-karts and, dirt bikes and everything like that and you know two stroke is still the best-selling wiseco piston today so i would assume so yeah obviously that's been around all most of my history within the moto industry so very very i like the legacy brand title that's great um coming from an accounts payable position to doing what you're doing now was were there a lot of things that you had to learn when it came to marketing or was that something you did do with pro circuit a little bit as well um, yeah, so I, <clears throat> I did get hired as accounts payable, but um, anybody that uh, knows Pro Circuit uh, as qu- pretty quickly as it, as it progressed, you kind of start getting your hand and helping out with a little bit of everything else. Hmm. Um, so um, working up in the office there, um, everybody kind of helped out with areas that might have needed help with. So yeah, uh, the AP stuff was my main focus, but um, answering phone calls and, uh, you know, giving customers tech support pretty much every day um placing orders for customers um you know taking hosting tours when when they were doing tours before covid for some of the you know european uh, tourists that were coming over for supercross it was a little bit of everything so um i i didn't necessarily dip my hand in ex- like marketing directly mm-hmm. in um at pro circuit but i did kind of help with some copywriting uh you know for ads or product descriptions and things like that to a certain extent. So I, I did, I did kind of have a, a, a small hand in a little bit and I got, it was nice because I got experience in, in uh, several different areas of the business at PC. Um, but then to circle back to your question, once I did come to RWB, um, you know, I had some product marketing experience a little bit um, uh, and then, you know, a little bit from school too, but um, I definitely, there's definitely a lot to learn, especially on the content marketing side and, um, and everything else, uh, SEO and, you know, diving, how deep you can dive into the digital side of marketing, which is the, uh, you know, the leader today, of course. So there, there was a lot to learn. I've learned a ton over this past six years, uh, for sure. So I, I wasn't, wasn't coming into it as an expert. That's for sure. <laughs> I want to ask about that because the, the scope of marketing has evolved so much in just the last 10, 15 years with digital uh, content, uh, you know, probably 15, 20 years ago, print ads were a huge, huge factor. Probably not so much now. But now you have, obviously, you talked about websites and how those things have evolved. And then also all the social media platforms. There's particular ways within Facebook to uh, to type or to the, the way the, the algorithms work. You have to know these things and they're always evolving how do you keep up with all that? How do you figure all that out? What do you focus on as the primary marketing tool? Yeah, it's it's definitely tough. There is, like you said, there is tons of different avenues that you can take. And even in each particular avenue, like if you look at Meta or you know Facebook, you can dive in and, and there's so many different ways to try to reach, reach your existing customers, reach your potential customers. Um, 
and then you go look at the Google Avenue um, and the other the other social platforms. It's there's definitely a lot. If you look at it overall, it's 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 overwhelming for sure. But I think something that um, is important to focus on is to know know who your customers are and where your customers are, and focus on those avenues first. You know, make sure you're you're reaching your core people that have been with you for a long time. Um, you know, serving them up what they need for support, what they like to see, um, everything like that, and then and then also identifying other areas where you can best reach, you know, your new potential customers. Um, if, if you try to go all in and just embrace all these different things, you're, you're going to, you know, there's just not enough time in the day for that. You're going to end up, you're going to end up kind of, you know, half effort on all these different areas, just because there's, there's so many ways, so many ways to go about it on the digital side. Um, I think it's important to understand what your demographic is and who you're trying to reach. And that kind of helps you narrow down what the best channels to do that through are. Okay, so within our industry, the the motocross slash supercross industry, you you have you advertise with us with Vital MX. I'm sure you advertise with numerous other Racer X, etc. But then there's also teams that need sponsorships. There's privateers that need sponsorships. Uh, you know, whether in local events, uh, whether it be maybe you host an event at Glen Helen, let's say, or or an off road event somewhere, or you sponsor a major series. Again, where do you? where do you put most of your focus? How do you decide what's most important or even if it's not necessarily financially, just so that you're getting the consumer aware of you? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, um, on one hand, I mean, uh, like you said, working with advertising partners is, is no longer just, <clears throat> just doing print ads or even just run a site digital ads anymore either. Uh, if, you know, if you're talking about a website, it's, what we've seen and, and through through trial and error, which trial and error is a huge part of the, of the digital scene, you know, A-B testing is the more technical term for it, but really it's just trial and error is, is what A-B testing is. So seeing, you know, doing it two or three different ways and seeing which one works best and then expanding on that one way that works best. So working with advertising partners has evolved, um, you know, into things that we've seen work better to where now we'll approach it with, okay, we want to work with you guys on a social post for this product. We want to do a sponsored technical article for this product. And, you know, maybe we want to do a sponsor video spot or, you know, we have, we have a pre-roll video commercial for some video aspects, things like that. Um, things like that tend to engage a lot more um, than, you know, uh, you know, more traditional forms of advertising. So that's definitely one part of it, doing that AB testing and, and understanding uh, what has what produces better results, you know, for your money, for your budget, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the sponsorship side is a big part of it, too, uh, of course. So on one hand, you got to focus on your your grassroots people, especially with brands like Wiseco and ProX, you know, are, are the core motocross folks, off-road folks, doesn't matter what they're doing, riding dual sports, adventure bikes. Um, you know, it's the people that are, you know, working nine to fives per se, but just love to go do it. And that's, that's the core group. And you can't, you can't forget about those people because that's at the end, that's kind of who we are too. You know, we're not professional racers. So, um, you don't want to forget about your grassroots customers and those racers that are just doing it out there riding because they love it. So that's where some of those local events, like you said, like with Wiseco, we do the two stroke championships at Glen Helen. Yep. Um, and those core events really let you just get out there and connect directly with people. And, and they really appreciate when, uh, you know, when they see people out there supporting it, supporting it at a local level and connecting with it. Um, <clears throat> but it's also important on the other hand to, you know, to keep working with some, 
core high level teams like uh our you know our honda hrc or on the pro x side we work with pro circuit as well um because that plays a big hand in you know product development and working with the highest level lets you um you know fine tune fine tune product and you can in tune uh take that back down to the customer you know for uh, for all the end users yeah that actually makes sense because I, I was sitting here thinking like you know, flipping through the magazines through the years, I might I see a Wiseco ad or whatever, and sometimes those the ads are this just an ad. I just flip right past it. But having somebody at my local event, if Wiseco's out there and I can talk to somebody and you build a relationship, that's kind of what works for me. So, but when then, so I never really understood. I never bought anything. I don't think because a team used a product. So I was kind of wondering how much. Or where the benefit in that was, but you talking about the development that actually makes tons of sense. So yeah, that actually cleared that up a little bit for me. I like that. That was a good answer. Um, yeah, yeah. The, the the development side, and then you know, I'd also say that it helps you. It also helps give people an idea that you know it's, it's there's some legitimacy to the product as well. Because if it's able to compete at the highest level, then you know it's definitely able to do what you know what a weekend warrior might need to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, race winning brands as a group, a lot of times these groups come in, they buy up some products or some, some companies and maybe those, those groups don't have a passion so much for the industry and the, 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 uh, the company sometimes isn't always what it was to begin with, if that makes sense. Mm. Does, do the people behind racing winning brands have a passion for the sport in your opinion you, you use that the feeling you get so they really have a passion that wiseco stays wiseco yeah i i do i do feel like um i do feel like our ownership group does have a passion for it and that's part of the reason that they're in it and um and have uh basically you know when they acquired race winning brands as a group already <clears throat> you know i don't think they would have been looking into acquiring a, a company of performance part manufacturers if, if uh, you know, they didn't have uh, a passion for that side of things. So I'd say they, they do have it, you know, o for overall motorsports, you know, there's some people in our, in our board, um, board of directors that, you know, are building their own cars, you know, have everything from LS engines they're building, you know, to, uh, um, to Shelby's and things like that. So <clears throat> that's one thing I, I, I do agree. It's very important so that they can, you know, continue so that these companies like Wiseco and ProX can keep, you know, living true to its legacy. Um, but they also have a, uh, a heavy focus on North American manufacturing, which I think is important, which is also why they're, you know, uh, they've aligned with RWB and are continuing to push, you know, the, the made in USA, you know, Wiseco Pistons have been made in Ohio for its entire life for 80 plus years. So, and, uh, they continue to embrace that, you know, North American manufacturing, which I think is, I think it's really important for all of us. And, and, you know, it's really important for the riders and customers too. Yeah, I think so. I, I really like that. I like what I'm hearing. Um, I guess really last question I have for you with being within this industry, working with the people you've got to work with, what's one of the coolest things you've got to be involved with, or maybe some people that you met that were really exciting to have the chance to meet? Yeah, no, that's definitely, that's been a huge part of it. And sometimes, you know, I would say dealing with uh, different sponsored riders or, or sponsored teams, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> because, you know, like, you know, from, from the outside, when you're a kid and you're watching racing, you know, you have kind of have your heroes or you just, you know, all the, all the riders and 
names that you see and uh, just seems like they're at this, you know, this kind of celebrity level at our sports capacity anyway. And then now in my position, you know, sometimes you're, whether you're working with a, a team manager or, or what have you, and you're, you're just texting about, you know, some business getting handled and you're like, you know, wow, I'm texting Lars Lindstrom right now or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. sometimes you take a step back and you're like, oh, this is kind of crazy, you know, compared yep. to if I would have told my 12 or 13 year old self, um, you know, they wouldn't have believed me. So <laughs> something like that. One, one time that stands out is um, <clears throat> Travis Pastrana has been a, a Wiseco sponsored athlete for a long time. So got to do a uh, video with him when he was prepping for donations for team Puerto Rico. And that was a, uh, went out to Paula and filmed a video with him and interviewed him. And that was a really cool experience. Absolutely. I've met him briefly a couple times, but I still fanboy out. I try to pretend like I'm not, but I do, I, you know, deep down. Yeah, I get it. I, it's, it's a very sure. cool thing that we get to do. So yeah, that's right. Uh, what's the future for uh, race winning brands? Anything new coming? What's the plan for, the next couple five year plan um I, we're just keep building on what we're building on you know um the industry as as most people probably everybody knows was way 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 high and um you know crazy amount you know record record numbers you know come coming right out of covid and things are settling back down again with everything going on but um we're just going to keep building on what we're doing we're still in development um always working on trying to improve the product improve pistons um you know new forging designs things like that um so we're gonna keep working with some of the great partners we're working with um keep supporting all the new platforms and uh keep doing what we're doing yeah that, that, you just said something about new forging designs that's kind of interesting i don't know a lot about manufacturing in general with that kind of stuff what are some new designs what are some new technologies that are helping improve uh, integrity of the parts like that. Cause obviously that's a very, um, there's a lot of pressure, like a piston and cam, all those things are under a lot of pressure. So yeah, I, I guess there's a lot of new technologies coming or being involved. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, um, every year, you know, the, or every year the OEMs come out with a new bike anyway. Um, things get, OEM compression gets higher every mm. single time a new 450 comes out, it seems like, or, or 250 for that matter. Um, you know, power OEM power delivery is better with every new model, et cetera. So things keep getting so much better from the OEM that, you know, it gets to a point where you have to adapt and, and kind of adjust your approach a little bit because you, you know, you want to offer something that is an advantage over OEM where in the earlier four stroke days, that was, you know, bump it up a half point or a point of compression because compression ratios were lower and, and you had a noticeable, you know, increase in power. Well, now you buy a new KTM 450 and the thing comes with like 13 and a half to one compression and it's already out of the box, like, you know, race bike essentially. So the thing is, so what we've done is, is try to, you know, do some benchmark data. Um, we have a dyno that we use in house. Um, so we've, you know, dynoed parts to see pull it out and you, we try to see not just performance, but we see where things are wearing. Um, if there's wear on the skirts or wear on the cylinder ring grooves, um, things like that. So we've used that data to try to, uh, optimize our forging design so that we can keep parts light. Um, but try to improve where there might be some, uh, I don't want to say weak points in OEM parts, but, um, points where it might be more susceptible to wear. So we can offer a part that has, really solid performance still, you know, possibly even better performance, but then also 
have uh, have some improved durability and just kind of be overall an optimized piece, whether somebody's racing or uh, or they're just you know riding for fun. Yeah, very interesting. So everything's always evolving. Yeah, it just seems like at some point there has to be a max. That's it. That's no, the, we can't go any farther, but they just keep put, everybody keeps pushing the limits and the products seem to hold up most of the time. I mean, it's a very stressful, uh, engine components are under a lot of stress with doing what we do, but it's pretty impressive how they do for the most part always hold up. So it's good. Well, Kevin, thanks for your time. Great getting a chance to know you a little bit. And, uh, yeah, thanks man. Yeah. Likewise. Appreciate you having me on. It's uh, been great talking to you. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.